afternoon from Freight Alley, man. I'm ready to go. You know, we're always talking about uh, returning to normal out here. I got a little bit of normalcy over the weekend. I went to my first conference in two years. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go? (laughs) Was it Food Shippers? Was it Manifest? (laughs) No, it was this. Take a look. There's a lot of clowns at these things. It was Conuga right over here. Look at you. Yeah, I showed this to you earlier, though, and you said that that was a bunch of jugglers. I said, are you hanging out with the jugglers? (laughs) Exactly what I said. Well, due to their gang designation that the jugglers have, it it, it can be very offensive to a clown to misidentify them. I understand. Here are jugglers right here, just for those of you who are curious. The juggalo is known by the black paint on its nose and the, the clear black markings, the style by Violent J over there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, other ones no, are more like a killer right. clown from outer space type I, of right. Listen, I appreciate the education and correct me. I certainly don't want to piss off a bunch of clowns, especially jugglers sure. and killer clowns. It was like a horror movie weekend for me. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? That came out on yeah. Netflix. I don't know if you saw the new one here. Here's a real quick clip. Ooh. Try anything and you cancel, bro. <laughs> it was terrible. But I watched all night of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. The dude's got a, got a chainsaw, and he says, try anything, and yeah. you'll get canceled, bro. You know who's still getting massacred? <laughs> you know who's still getting massacred? The ports, man. A lot of oh stuff going my on gosh, the ports. We're going to get getting... into that today. We're going to talk about the ports from the Asian perspective. We're going to talk about the ports from the local perspective, especially looking at Los Angeles and Charleston. We're going to be talking about the perspective of what all of this is doing to the brokerage community, the shipper community. We also have a trucker who has invented his own product that is going to help stop flickering lights. And they even have a partnership with autonomous vehicles. Really yeah, for the pigtail lights. Partnership Very with, cool. with Aurora. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be cool stuff. And Smart Hub had a great year, just opened up a brand new office in Miami. I think we're we're going to get a virtual tour of that as well. First guest is here with us. Let's tip the band and we'll get right to her. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase <laughs> away good talent and stop talented people from Down joining with the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. And what are you going to do? You're going to open your own office tomorrow. Because today's President's Day. Can't do it today. No, you can't do it today. No, nah, Banks aren't even open. Loria LaRocco, Surrey, NBC, Senior Editor of Guests. She's also a Maritime Trade Columnist here for Freight Waves. You've seen her on Freight Waves now. You've seen her on CNBC. And now you're seeing her on What the Truck. Good to see you today. I'm doing well, guys. And I'm happy that um, I'm after the clowns. I was going to tweet something out saying I was hoping they were going to be on. Yeah, well, I noticed. Well, we got one here. So I noticed your. Uh, I noticed that paddle over to the left of you, and I was wondering, did you ever have to put any makeup on back in the sorority days, like uh, like clown makeup? No, I did not. Thank God. Fortunately, those individuals <laughs> can be rough. Well, you know what else is rough? We mentioned it. The seas, the ports are really tough. But you looked recently at some data from Project Forty Four that was looking at what's going on in Asia. Lorian, tell us a little bit about your findings. Well, a lot of, we, we've been hearing a lot about how things are getting, quote, better, right? We have less vessels coming in, but the reality of the fact is they're all stuck in China. Uh, when you're, according to Project 44, they analyzed the length of time that these vessels are waiting before they get to birth, and you're looking at something of almost 23 days in Hong Kong. So what happens is the vessel that should be on its way here is actually still anchored out in the water getting into Hong Kong, and then also the average amount of time 
uh, for other ports is about 17 days. And so the fact of the matter is the hairball, as I like to say, the hairball of trade has now spread to other ports. That gave me a chuckle when I read that, the hairball. (laughs) How did it spread? So how did it back up um, a step, so to speak, right? It went from our port to to the previous port of call. How did that happen? Well, a lot of it, of course, as we know, is the beloved zero COVID. Um, mm. So what, what we're seeing here is that it's the delay of lack of bodies. I mean, remember, a lot of people forget trade takes people. Mm. And so you've had, in fact, last week, there was another uh, lockdown uh, in one of the cities that uh, produces semiconductor chips. So you've got this delay, if you will, of people working at the port. And remember, unlike here in the United States, if you're working at the port in one of your ports in China, you you live there for an X amount of time. And so with Lunar New Year coupled with zero COVID, the productivity has backed up and and we're just kind of seeing it all come to a head. Uh, you know, it, there was there were certain economists that were saying last year around this time that we're going to be in for it. They're even saying it up until the spring summer. We're going to be in for it in for it up until Chinese New Year. Chinese New Year ended a couple of weeks ago. We're still stuck in it. How much of the how much impact did Chinese New Year have on this though? And how much impact are the delays here in the United States having back over at Origin? Because if you think about it, the longer these vessels here wait at anchor, that's less seafarers, that's less containers, and that's less ships that are in circulation. Exactly. And so what, what's happening is, you know, the ocean carriers are trying to make up time, right? You know, they're trying to get back as many empties as they can. Um, you know, there have been reports that some vessels don't leave as loaded as they should be, although I personally have not seen data on that. So I really can't say. I, I think it's what's happening is that you're just seeing like the sludge, that, that everything is just so slow now that with the boomerang, the vessels are, they're, they're not slow seeming like they are here, right? Because they can't anchor. They're getting back as soon as possible. But the fact is, the receiving end, the back end, they're not working at 100%. I mean, you still have some ports on the back end at 70% or even less. And so you and I both know trucks, no matter where you are in the world, they're needed to move the product to and from. I found it interesting, Lori, looking at in the in your article there, uh, looking at the import versus export dwell times. That everything is, seems to be in lockstep. I mean, very similar uh, ratios, except for Yanqian and Shanghai. Those are the two that are flipped, as far as the dwell time. Exactly, in and and I was really surprised at that too, because as you know, I mean, Yantian had a lot of problems, you know, last year with COVID. Yeah. So I was surprised that 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 those two. Did flip. I mean, from what I've read and from what my sources are telling me, they're really trying to work through COVID. And, and from what I've been told, some people are saying Hong Kong is a test case. Uh, but we all know, I think on the other side, they don't have the manpower as you do in mainland China as it relates to massive lockdowns. So I think there's, I don't know. I mean, you and I both know there's a lot of opaqueness when it comes mm. to China. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I would say so. What, what about our trade deficit and imbalance? You know, if you remember in 2016, it was the kickoff of the trade war and the results. And I think, you know, we found out that that's a big failure. But where are we at in the deficit? And how much is this playing into congestion? Because one of the things, if you were looking into, especially the early uh, releases from the Supply Chain Disruption Task Force, was talking about exporters. And a lot of us were like, it's kind of really the import community that's getting crushed right now. What's going on with that deficit? 
Well, I mean, as you guys know, I wrote a book on the trade war and, you know, you could see by the containers that we, in fact, lost and we are still losing. I mean, you know, as, as Michael brought in earlier, you know, when it comes to looking at the full exports versus the empties, um, they are in lockstep coming out of L.A. because we've had so many loaded containers coming in. You, it just makes sense that you have a lot of empties going out. But the problem is. It's the volume of the empties that are leaving. They are leaving imports at the port. And when I re- when I spoke with Pokari not too long ago about this, you know, he says they're having stern talks about this. But as we all know, Pokari is now leaving. So, you know, who is going to be taking hold on this charge? And so the fact is the congestion started with the Trump tariffs. You know, you had the chassis situation. You've had the container situation. And with this front loading, we just have never been able to catch up. And you can't even argue that even when we have these new new vessels coming in line, we still have the crappy port system receiving them. So we don't have the capability even to bring in the additional capacity. Yeah, I'm looking at that chart there that shows the the timeline of TEU's LAX empty versus uh, full on the outbound side of it. And you can see they're starting to diverge, right? I mean, the, the empty's going up, yep. the full exports are going down. And we were talking about that quite a bit, but then a narrative quickly shift, sh- changed to or shift, shifted to, let's get these empties out of here because nobody can get in and out of the ports to get the the imports through the, through the thing. Do the, Does the new FMCs kind of some of the things that they started doing or or, or signing uh, the new authorities with the FMCSA or the FMC, will that have any teeth to do anything and help those stern talks turn into something that's going to help this situation? I mean, I, we've been speaking at CNBC, you know, I've been on calls with the Biden administration and we've heard all of this rhetoric and that's what it is right now. Yeah. Um, and the fact that John Picari is leaving and we do not know who his successor will be and that, you're going to have Buttigieg, who clearly is just talking about the transportation bill, which while, yes, it's grace that it was passed, it's a long-term type of solution. Um, the, the fact of the matter is imports are not moving out as much as they should. And, and as you point out, they have to get the empties back. But at the same time, though, can't they be moved off-site? And so no matter what these incentives are, I would love to see Oakland put their stuff in a lot earlier than their, uh, you know, their quote solution, right? Before uh, LA and Long Beach did. I'll be curious to see what, if anything, really truly moves the needle. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I wish we had better news for you, for your viewers about what's going on <laughs> yeah. in Asia. Well, the good news is you got somebody like Lori telling us what's going on so you don't have to buy some of the, the BS porn headlines that you see. Like, things yeah. are better. You can get the truth. Sure, and it is what it is. Well, Lori, and thank you for being so gracious and answering all of our stupid questions. You do have to answer one more stupid question. Oh, this I one's going to come from the oh, wheel, so spin that it. thing, Michael Vincent. Let's see what we got. Well, let's slow it down a bit. It might spin forever. Oh, okay. So, what tourist attraction would you least like to get stuck on? Or at or in? I would say I've always had a deep fear. I like uh, loop to loop roller coasters, and I'd be really scared if I got stuck upside down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that totally agree. It's like the beginning of Final Destination 3. They have like the roller coaster thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) Maria, thank you so much. Thanks for for joining us on the show. Both these articles that we talked about, all this information, she has fully written out articles on FreightWaves.com. Check those out. When's the next one come out? Actually, I'm writing one this afternoon, and I'll be sending it in to, uh, to the editor today. Perfect. We'll be on the lookout, Lorian. Thank you one more time. Take Thanks care. for having me, guys.
Thanks, Lori. Let's talk about some of these impacts, right? So we okay. have the information, the data on the ports over in Asia, but let's see how yes. this kind of stuff actually impacts someone. At a logistics company, we'll talk to Caitlin Murphy, she's the founder and CEO over at Global Gateway Logistics. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this may be your first appearance on the show, Caitlin. Is that true? It is, it is. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you on here. And, you know, I, I can be flattered. I heard her on Freight Waves now, that, and I heard her make a nice compliment about what the truck about a couple weeks ago. And then I reached out to her immediately and said, yeah. hey, I really like what you had to say about what the truck. Oh, yeah, no, Dooner likes being sucked up to. He, he will respond. <laughs> sure love it. Well, Caitlin, you know, Lori Ann yeah. <laughs> you know, just mentioned something about um, China. You have some insight into China. If I'm not mistaken, in 2007, did you spend a year there in university learning Mandarin and things like that? Yeah, and I fell in love with it. Um, I was there in 2007. I fell in love with it, the culture, the language, um, their way of doing business. It was a really bustling uh, moment in time, actually, in Beijing. Fell in love with it so much, I moved back in 2009 and uh, started working in Beijing. And um, actually, global logistics kind of fell into my lap um, while I was working there. Uh, I had a roommate who was an oil trader and said, hey, your degree's international business. Why not get into logistics? So I owe him a lot of credit. Yeah, no, it's good. And I'm glad you like it too, because if you didn't, you'd be like, I wish I never had that roommate. And I wish he, he never suggested that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey, it's, it's been a challenge, right? All this congestion's been a challenge, but let's, let's bring this down to earth. Let's see the actual impacts of things that happen. And one of them I want to do it through is the shipment that came into Vancouver on 12 14. Mm-hmm. You posted about it on LinkedIn. This sounded like a really compelling story. And I thought it really spoke to or was emblematic of the current modern state of challenges in dealing with shipping. So tell us a little bit about what happened here. Sure. So, and, and this doesn't happen. It's not an isolated incident. Honestly, I have a call later today with another client who, um, much like Lorianne was talking about, the vessels delayed even departing the origin country. Um, but for this specific case, you know, we we are a very agile, we call ourselves Mavericks. Um, I actually love the, the movie Top Gun. So that's part of the reason why ah, we, we call ourselves Freight Mavericks. Um, but we, we're really agile and we try to look at all the different solutions um, when the first best case scenario doesn't work out. So for instance, for our importers to the Midwest, Michigan is a big importer of auto parts. And we were looking at how they typically would bring things into Los Angeles. Los Angeles ports a nightmare. It's been for a while. And so we started running these different algorithms saying, how can we play with different modes of transportation in different ports? And actually for a short period of time in in the fourth quarter of, of 2021, bringing cargo into Vancouver and transloading it and trucking it actually was $4,000 cheaper on most shipments than bringing it into a West Coast port and transloading and trucking it, right? And so because we have incredible relationships around the world with customs brokers and other freight forwarders, we relied heavily on those people. What was happening is, you know, um, I don't know if you remember, there was serious flooding in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So this strategy was working great. It It was awesome for about three to four weeks. And then mother nature just put the kibosh on it. And there was severe flooding in Vancouver. There were mudslides. It was super unsafe. So, you know, what was happening is these vessels, like what we've seen kind of around the world, when any sort of incident kind of happens that creates a delay in either loading or unloading vessels, uh, 
its total upheaval for months. And Vancouver since has still been trying to pry back these issues at the terminals, at storage facilities to try to get more of these vessels in. And so we had this container that was supposed to arrive on December 14th. Luckily, this was not a commodity that was, you know, in, in high demand for a lot of consumers. It wasn't a, a really a consumer good product. But you have to you have to think, think about all of these companies that are importing products for seasonal purchase mm-hmm. and they're going to miss the entire season. Like I walk stores now and I see massive quantities of Christmas goods because they came in late and they could never sell on the shelves when they needed to. So now they're trying to sell them at a deep clearance. Um, And so that particular case, it was really frustrating because, you know, three weeks prior when that vessel departed from Asia, we didn't anticipate that Vancouver would have mudslides and that this vessel would be sitting there for the next 30 plus days waiting to birth. And so it's it's a really frustrating impact. Um, and you just can't, you have to just keep going. You have to pivot where necessary and keep moving. Yeah, that's all excellent advice and a great explanation of what is going on. And I've I've said often that, you know, shopping at Big Lots is going to be incredibly good this, this winter and coming into the spring, right? Uh, but so how do you manage these expectations with your customers? How do you keep them educated on what is going on? They're sick of this occurring. They're sick of the excuses coming in. How are you managing that aspect of it? We manage a lot through education. I think it's it's one of the reasons I started my own firm in this industry is because everywhere else that I had been working, education was never even a facet of customer service. Mm-hmm. So when when consumers or importers and exporters for the sake, when they're not taught about the process of global logistics, imagine how frustrating it is when there's issues in global logistics. And when you don't even know the process, how can you understand the the holistic issues that are that are happening right now in the industry? So we really lead with education. We have calls with every client on every single trade lane very frequently. We ensure that first they understand what the industry trends are, both overseas where their cargo is generating, as well as here in the States. Um, when it comes to exporters, it's really frustrating. We work, we're, we're headquartered in St. Louis, but we work, you know, throughout, we have a lot of customers throughout this country. A lot of exporters in the Midwest, they're reeling from the effects of, of this global supply chain crisis. And so for them to understand, hey, here's what container depots look like. Here's how much equipment they have, you know, outside of Kansas City container depot um, so that they can plan their next month's exports or, you know, the the next quarter's exports. And we also look at data. I think data is something that has to be leveraged in global logistics. Um, I'm happy that in 2022, we've got some really, really cool tech companies coming out. Um, So we like to kind of say we, we put together a la carte tech. I don't think one solution encompasses all, honestly. I think it's a, it's a, sort of com- com- combination of really cool technology from vessel GPS to to sonar. I love that sonar. Um, I was just in the global supply chain week and I loved that sonar now has this port predictability so that you can see those types of numbers before you're routing freight overseas, you can determine, hey, which port is is leveraging the most and, and it has the quickest turnaround. Absolutely, Caitlin. I mean, you have to use supply chain and customer service as a competitive advantage, especially 
in your seat. I remember when I was doing the perishable air freight. You know, you're talking about people who need a lot of handholding. Those, yes. those shippers need a ton of handholding. Mm-hmm. You had to be incredibly proactive. And you know, one thing that was really tough about that job is you were always yelled at all the time by people. No matter how proactive you are, I'm going to find out the information. But then it took Miami two hours to get you that information. Customer just blames you because that two hours is just yeah. two hours to make it. It can be tough. But we want to congratulate you. You were chosen by Governor Parsons to be a member of the Missouri Supply Chain task force. Tell us real quickly what's about that and what do you hope to bring to the task force? Yeah, I mean, I I was really honored to be chosen for this task force. I think it's incredible. I I believe there's 12 other states that have also put together their own statewide task force. Um, But, you know, really, it's surrounded around, we can't just rely on the federal task force to put in the effort to solve these problems. We need to look at them state by state to understand the aspects of of what's causing delays, the other issues behind what's happening in the trucking world. Um, I loved that you guys had this article on what the truck of like, I think is like the worst rest stop areas um, around the country. Surprisingly, that's actually one of our, our tasks is to look at what are these rest stops looking like for truck drivers? How can we make them safer and more accessible and, and what are their needs? Um, but I'm really excited to be a part of this task force because I can bring a global perspective to the table. You know, in our, like you were saying, our competitive advantage is customer service. And really to us, that means continuous effort and relationship logistics and looking at the supply chain from not just a, a small aspect of it, like ocean freight, but looking at the drayage carriers that end up taking that container to and from the receiver, to looking at the terminals, to understanding how customs is involved in the situation. Um, So we're really looking at everything holistically. And what I'm really excited about is we get a chance to really spearhead and be advocates for modes of transportation. Like, um, I'm not sure if you have heard of Container on Vessel on the Mississippi River, but I've worked really closely with the guys at, at American Patriot Holdings that are building They've started the plans to build out these two new vessels to um, bring containerized trade up and down the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, to me, those disruptive modes of transportation, they have to be supported from a government level. They have to be supported from a private and public perspective. And so I think this task force is really an opportunity to shine light on a lot of these disruptions, um, both in freight tech as well as, as actual um, asset-based modes that can really impact the future of freight. Very good. Thank you. We love, love, love to hear it. Now, we, we've, we've been too serious for these past 10 minutes, so we could ask oh, yeah, our stupid question serious. of the day. First time on. What tourist attraction would you least like to get stuck on? Ooh. Um, I don't know why, but like the uh, Ferris wheels give me the heebie-jeebies Ooh. when you're stuck up at yeah. the top. Heck yeah. It's like the worst like moment when you're stuck and you're like, okay, when is this thing going to move? Um, and I have to interject that I have a great question that you should add onto your wheel that I thought okay. about. Sure. You should add, what should your batter up song be? So you're in the Major League Baseball, you're walking up to the plate. Yeah, sure. What song would you choose as your intro? It's always yeah. my favorite thing with players in the MLB. Hair of the Dog Nazareth. Uh, the Ultimate Warriors theme song from, from wrestling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, let, let me, uh, let me tell you, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate having you on. Go check out Global Gateway Logistics. By the way, so um, I was telling you I was watching all those Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, right? Yeah. So in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, he's <laughs> Leatherface is chasing the girl. And yeah. somehow she like ends up at a fair. 
Oh, really? And she uses a Ferris wheel to try and escape. She just grabs off the Ferris wheel. It's oh, like, yeah. They, well, this will work. You realize it's going to come back around. It's not a good method of escape. I wouldn't say <laughs> no, so. No, not Anyways, good. it's... it's, it's <laughs> Did he chase her or wait? He just waited for her to come oh, back okay. down. And he was like, zoom, with the chainsaw. Because that's what happened. So Sal, Sal would have chased her. Learned her lesson. All right, Sal Mercogliano, PhD. He's a maritime historian over at Campbell University. Some people call him the camels. Hello, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. How you guys doing? Doing great. Now, if we had the rights to uh, music, right, entrance theme, your, your major it's league great uh, question. song, let's let our guest ask the stupid question. What theme song would you like to come out on this show to? Come Sail Away. Come Sail Away. All there right. you go. <laughs> yeah, All right. Come Sail Away. Well, I would like to, if I was in Charleston, look at some of this congestion, this backup here. These uh, little green dots have been growing and multiplying like the rats inside a family dollar. Uh, <laughs> tell, me, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the ports. We, we've beaten down L.A. so much, and that's still bad. We'll go back to it. But what's going on in Charleston now? Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the reason that Jim Newsom is talking about retiring right now and yeah. handing this over to Barbara Melvin. Uh, I think Charleston is, is a great example of where we're seeing the shift in cargo right now. We talked about that. There was a great uh, Lorianne LaRocco interview uh, she did uh, with Sam Ruda from the Port of New York and New Jersey. And Sam talked about the fact that there is more input coming in about carriers wanting the shift from the West Coast over to the East Coast. And I think we're seeing that. One of the things that Charleston did was advertise that they can handle some of the spillover from Savannah. If you remember, we had a bit of a growth in Savannah. Savannah had to build up mm -hmm. for quite a while. And so Charleston was able to advertise that. And Charleston also had the kind of the addition of a new terminal. They have the first new terminal being built. The Leatherman term, terminal came online here. So they had an access of a new terminal. It was being built on the site of, of, the, old, on the, side of the old Navy Yard there. But now they have issues with the use of that terminal. They can only use it during weekdays. They can't use it on weekends. There's a dis disagreement with the ILA and the Port of so uh, South Carolina. Who can operate the cranes there? And now you've got just this logjam where Jim Newsom is talking about the fact that they're not going to be able to clear that until mid-April. So, Sal, let me ask you this, though. Savannah took a lot of spillover from the West Coast and, and has managed it fairly well. Was it the I mean, they had that inland port in, in, Northwest, in northern Georgia for, man, it's been years that that thing has been there well before this all occurred. Was that the secret sauce or is that an ingredient to the secret sauce for ports like Charleston and L.A., et cetera, moving forward? Well, I think all the East Coast ports were looking at infrastructure buildup over the past 10 years. The expansion of the Panama Canal in 2014 got every East Coast port looking at the fact that they're going to be able to handle larger containers. So they were dredging down the 50 feet. They were increasing their laydown area. And Savannah is better configured, I would argue, than Charleston because Charleston has many of the problems that L.A. and Long Beach have. You're going into a, an urban area. You're going into an mm. urban area that's very congested with very limited routes outside of it. Savannah, you know, ha has a short run to the, from the sea buoy into the terminal, plenty of land you can buy for pop-up terminals, for laydown area, for, mm. for uh, warehousing. It, it, it's really conducive to that. And then I would also argue New York, New Jersey has seen a huge expansion too. I mean, they've, they've been able to come up a million containers. And I think Sam Ruta was very, very, very uh, kind of modest when he's sitting there. He should have taken a lot more credit than he did because that port's been able to handle the perk up in containers a lot better than a lot of other ports. And that's because they had the infrastructure and the buildup ahead of time. They've been thinking about this for 10 years, and this just happened to hit right on the East Coast 
versus the West Coast. So what about over in Los Angeles, Long Beach? Uh, we There was an article last week about uh, Chunker opening a number of new container facilities. Mm. It was going to, I think, hold maybe 20,000 containers total. But then my Dre guys, they all reached out to me afterwards, and they're like, this thing's a, a bust. Uh, they're located really far away from the port, or they just want to accommodate, or we can't bring back empties to them. It sounded like there was a lot of issues. Uh, what's going on in L.A. right now? Well, I mean, the issue in L.A. is that the carriers are demanding the empties. They're the ones pushing for those empties to be returned because they want to get them in the pipeline coming back. They mm -hmm. don't want them sitting at a terminal. You know the issue with per diem on the containers, that there's going to be an issue with charging, even if you put them in a layup yard outside. Until you can get that resolved, they're going to keep requiring those containers coming back. There's a big push. Remember, the last quarter of 2021, L.A. and Long Beach focused on return of empty containers. Their number of containers were down. Even though 2021 was record year for LA and Long Beach, LA over 10 million containers, nearly all that growth was in the first half of 2021. Second half of 2021, they were decreasing the amount of containers they were moving. I mean, they were down 10% in December, but the containers they were moving were largely empties out of the port they're trying to clear them out, get more working area. And what we saw is the numbers for January 2022 are up now. And again, I, I think what Lorianne talked about earlier is exactly true. That hairball from China is coming our way. You still have the Marine Exchange of Southern California kind of playing with the numbers. They, they just put a tweet out that they got eight ships at anchor or loiter. But if you dig into the data, there's 69 further ones sitting out there. So even that, even though we're down from the 100, which was crazy number, 70 is a crazy number. I mean, again, if we were back in October, we were, we're pulling our hair out, what little I had. We're pulling out, and, and it's that's all just the a drain. huge number to be It's all Lorianne LaRocco's drain, Sal. Now, Sal, <laughs> now, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how much drain we that's pour. The it doesn't matter how, exactly. It, it doesn't is. matter how much drain we pour down Lorianne LaRocco's drain to get rid of your, uh, your former hair hairball that's down in there now, because uh, at least for the cars on the Felicity Ace. What happened over there? Because even IGN, a video game magazine, is tweeting about supply chain in the Felicity Ace. The hairball like caught on fire. That's what, that's what happened. <laughs> the hairball caught on fire. What's up with the Felicity? So... Obviously, what we have is a car fire or, or a fire in the cargo deck. The ship, uh, Felicity Ace, was uh, heading from Emden, Emden, Germany to Davidsville, Rhode Island, with a load of about 4,000 vehicles on board. Estimated value, $255 million. Lamborghinis, uh, Audis, Porsches. And what we do know is a fire started on the cargo deck. We don't know what started it yet. But there was a good load of EVs on board here, electrical vehicles. And understand, on a car carrier... You put those cars on there, bumper to bumper, door to door. Imagine a parking deck at a, at a mall, but you're not parking in parking spaces. You're filling every spot you can in there. And what happens is once a fire starts in one of those vehicles, it jumps from vehicle to vehicle. And the problem here is mm. electrical vehicles. I'm not saying they're an issue, but mm. when an EV burns, I've been a volunteer firefighter for 20 years. An EV is impossible to put out. You can dump Lake Michigan on it is going to keep burning because it's an electrical and a, a metal fire. It's almost impossible to put out. And once they start burning, they jump from vehicle to vehicle, especially when the batteries start giving up their power. And what you're seeing right now is that magnified on Felicity Ace. The crew was unable to initially get it knocked down. You have to use CO2. Can't use salt water. There's not salt water piped into these vessels because you don't want to damage the new vehicles. And once that vehicle fire gets away from themselves, they couldn't control it. The 22 crew abandoned vessel. They were picked up, fortunately. Nobody lost. 
But now the salvage teams are trying to get back on there, trying to get the fire mains kicked up and trying to do some fire suppression. But I think that vessel is going to be gutted. I, or you you can get yourself a used Audi for a great price uh, soon here. <laughs> yeah, head up on a smoker's oops. vehicle. <laughs> yeah, so head up on Carvana right afterwards. Well, aside from the Felicity Ace, then, what tourist attraction would you least like to get stuck yeah, on? That's a good point. Oh, Fenway Park. I, I would I would die stuck, in, stuck Fenway? in Fenway Park and everything. Stuck in Fenway and everything. Being being the rapid Yankees fan I am, I, that oh, that that wow. that would be just that would be torture. So, do you know who Dennis Drinkwater I know is? Father, do you know who Dennis Drinkwater is from WB Mason? So he he sits behind <laughs> yeah. home plate, and if you watch Red Sox games, you can see Dennis Drinkwater. You could for years. I don't have Nesson over here in Tennessee since I've been here. You'd see him for years, and you'd sit behind like the WB Mason logo, and his like claim to fame. He'd always brag about he could get out of Fenway quicker than anybody. He was like was he was just a fame. ghost. He could stay for the whole just, game, but like he just vanished. He just no knew kidding. how to get the hell out of there. Is that right? Amazing. Wow. Amazing stuff. Wow. Sal, thank you so much. I get stuck in here. I'm looking for him. Keep educating those kids. Roll yeah, humps. It was good talking to you again. Roll humps. Roll like humps. Roll humps. Right? Roll humps. <laughs> With a fully furnished state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response for your free for your fleet feet for, for your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speedco. To learn more about their roadside assistance, tell them, dude. Hey, go to loves.com immediately after this show. Hey, new digs, who dis? It is Guillermo Garcia, co-founder and CEO over at Smart Hop, who's hanging out in a brand new office they opened in uh, Miami. You must be balling over there. I just heard like Miami's the most expensive place on earth to, to live these days. Guillermo, <laughs> what's up, dude? How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> it's going good. You know, I remember a long time ago, we interviewed you on the show a couple That's years right. ago. We were like, we were talking about like your founding story. And you're like, yeah, one thing I learned was never start a trucking company in Miami. You yeah. just opened a brand new office in Miami. Right. You had another chance to get out of there, Guillermo. Tell us about this. What's up with the new office and, uh, and things must be going well, right? It's just an office. Trucks are not going out of <laughs> Miami. Uh, in this case, around wow, we're we're excited. We're in a new office. Uh, we uh, we have had uh, a bunch of uh, people that have uh, moved in into Miami because they want to get away from uh, some other uh, cities. And it's a great place for us to collaborate. Great place for our team members uh, to come in. And we just wanted to. Design a little bit of uh, Miami vibe, trucking vibe, and all combined into one office. It's awesome. You even had who you had the governor down there, right? For this for this opening, or yeah, it was the mayor or the governor? Or, mayor uh, of Miami. Oh, no, the mayor there, of right? Miami was there, which is even better. How did that go? Wow. Was that pretty cool or what? Well, we had the mayor. Honored to have him here. Yeah. he's he's become the rock star of Miami. As also uh, being a great advocate uh, for people moving to Miami generated excitement uh, around this uh, city and uh, really making sure that uh, tech companies uh, uh, see Miami with uh, different eyes, um, uh, employees, founders, and people that want to make great companies. Miami is a good place. It has a great weather, uh, now a great tech environment. We're just excited that uh, he came to, to officiate uh, our office. Oh, wow. Yeah, it came to it. It was very, very, very it's nice really of him. Cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about it. What's that lifestyle like in Miami now? If someone's, uh, someone's in freight, they want to jump over, join your team. What would they have to look forward to? Well, you know what? I mean, we have a very distributed team. We want to build a world-class organization uh, with uh, the best uh, people uh, wherever they are, regardless of where they are sitting. We want to 
uh, be able to to work with them. Miami is a great scenery. Miami is a great uh, uh, great city. Uh, even those uh, that are based in Miami, we have a hybrid model. So uh, uh, you don't have to come to work uh, Monday through Friday in an offices. Our offices are there for you to be able to collaborate, to use whenever you want. Uh, but it's a great place uh, uh, to live. Uh, it has great weather. It has a great environment. Yes, prices have been starting to come up a little <laughs> bit because of people uh, uh, coming into the city. And, the secret's uh, out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the secret's out. The story's out. They just start filling in the Everglades and move, keep expanding west past uh, Sunrise and Davie and all that other kind of well, stuff. Well, like, Miami's yeah. a killer town, though. Great yeah. people. I loved it. I lived there for eight years. I loved it. Did you? I didn't know I that did. about you. Oh, absolutely. Great. Oh. And a great employee. Some of the best people I ever worked with were in Miami. Nice city over certain. there. All right. Well, yeah. don't leave the show and go join Gilly's team I, well, I, I won't. But, I mean, you, you go down there in the Hialeah and stuff like that. I loved it down there. Well, Gilly, you had like a record year last year, right? You, you did an awesome year, a phenomenal year. That's why all this growth is, is coming up. You, uh, what'd you, you had over 14 million miles driven by 300 truckers who have tapped into over 16,000 loads in your platform. What new and exciting things are going to be coming out of that office in 2022? Yeah, I mean, we had an amazing year. Uh, we're working hard. Our team is expanding. And we want to bring the best uh, of uh, the two worlds for our customers, right? I mean, we want uh, the greatest technologies, uh, but also the economies of scale. So we want those very small trucking companies to be able to have all the things that they need uh, to compete at the same level as the big, big carriers. So uh, fintech products, uh, fuel, lease, uh, insurance, uh, we're working very hard to be able to provide uh, in a fundamentally different way uh, those, uh, those services for our customers. It's their business. They make their decisions. We're just there to, to support them. So uh, we have great things coming uh, their way uh, this year. Yeah, so Guillermo, as you're as you're filling out that new building, you said it's a hybrid model, but you guys are expanding like crazy. How is it getting that talent there? Does it do they have to be in Miami? And who are you looking for? Yeah, well, they they definitely don't have to be in Miami. Uh, we we love. I'm I'm one of those that think that uh, Zoom is great, but it cannot replace uh, the face to face. I mean, we mm. like to come in and uh, jam whiteboard. Uh, and brainstorm uh, in person. So uh, if you're in Miami, uh, that's, uh, that's amazing. We have had people from LA, from Chicago, from New York, that after they join us and they come down to our headquarters in Miami, they decide to relocate. Uh, and that's great to see. But if you're living even outside the country, we have people in Bogota, we have people in Serbia, we have people across the globe. Wow. Uh, so if you want to work with us, uh, it doesn't matter where you sit. Uh, we we want to work with you. Per perfect stuff. Check them out. Smart Amen. Hop, if you want to work with them, Miami or not. Before we let you go, stupid question of the day is, what tourist attraction would you least like to get stuck on? Ooh, uh, bump cars. Oh, bumper cars. <laughs> wow. All right. Oh, like you're just stuck, but everyone else can bump you? Exactly. Yeah. Now that I heard about the Porsches, I wouldn't want to be uh, stuck like the Porsches uh, <laughs> no. out, out sea, out in the sea. Oh yeah, yeah, that either. Well, that would be yeah, terrible. no, Thanks. yeah, no, stuck on one of those cruise ships that the uh, marshals um, took into custody. <laughs> yeah, or one with like norovirus or something like that. Yeah, that yeah, would be cool. With that'd that. be, that'd Thank be you bad. so much for joining us. Congratulations to you and the team on the new office. 
Go fill it with Thanks life. So much. Go fill it with some life. Right All right, on, Robert man. Patterson. He's a senior drive trainer over at Dayton Freight Lines, and he's also made a really cool, unique product using his smart brain up here and a 3D printer. Let's bring him up. What's up, Robert? How you doing today? Hi, guys. Doing good. I like uh, I like your website, and I like that you tell the little yeah. story of like why you made the product, how you made the product, what it is. Because like when you look at it, it's really simple. It looks very similar to a shoehorn. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the product, why you made it, and some of the a little that went into designing it. Well, you got the picture there. That that is a shoehorn from Macy's because at Christmas a few years ago, my wife was shopping for shoes and. I got the idea that I was going to ask them for a shoehorn, and uh, they gave me one for free. And she said, uh, you know, what are you going to do with that? I said, I'm going to cut it down, and I'm going to use it to keep my lights working on my trailer. She said, I don't know you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense when you look at the solution that it is there. I like the pictures, like you said. On the website, it shows people got gum and hairbrushes and toenail right. clippings, everything stuffed in there. to try and Tell us exactly what is the issue, what does it solve? Well, the issue is that, you know, trucks going down the road, you hit the bump, the connection between the electrical cord and the trailer will, will shake and, sh and it'll cause a flicker in the lights. Mm -hmm. Well, that's illegal and it can be up to six points on your light, on your CSA score and up to $200 fine. Uh, so I wanted a way to do it. And I work in the LTL industry where we drop and hook. Uh, I hook four trailers every night and I work at night. And this is a big problem for us that uh, I needed a new pigtail every three months on my tractor. And so I wanted something that worked every night, all night. And as I found out after three months of using this little thing, it actually, I, I didn't need to go replace my pigtail. It went four months and five months, six months. And then it started getting the attention of my company that I drive for. And after a whole year of using this, I didn't need a new pigtail after a whole new year. And it saved the company $250 in pigtails for what at the time was a $10 piece of plastic. So they came to me and they started buying them by the hundreds and it's it saved the company. I don't even know how many thousands of dollars in pigtails and maintenance and downtime. And and so now I uh, sell it on my website to any driver that wants it. And a lot of companies come to me and buy them in bulk. I mean, it looks like such a simple solution. It looks like the kind of thing when you got that shoehorn and you're like, maybe this would fit in here. Maybe this would work that you and like you. I, well, I saw in your thing, you detailed the process. You were sort of like whittling <laughs> down this thing. You yeah. went out, you got your own 3D printer, you got your own molds. Talk a little bit about that process of figuring out like the formula and getting this thing right. Well, that it was a big thing because uh, as you saw that pink one, uh, I couldn't get another pink one because the Macy's in my town went out of business. So I went to the local <laughs> Dillard's and I started asking them for them because other drivers wanted one. And so I got them by the dozens from Dillard's. They just handed me a but Yeah, there it is. And uh, I would come home with my Dremel and cut one and, and give it to a driver and then cut another one and give it to And I just kept giving them away. I was like, well, this seems to be, everybody likes this. So, But the type of plastic that is, it kept falling out and people would lose them. So I had to find a better way. So my brother-in-law mentioned 3D printing and I didn't even know what that was at the time. And so I did some research and I found a company that would make some for me. And I, I had 10 of them made and uh, they were like $5 a piece at the time to have them made. And sold every one of them in the first week. So I'm like, well, I might have something here. And I started 3D printing them uh, in bulk. But uh, that type of plastic, too, it was kind of weak, and it would break pretty easy. But uh, so after more experiment, uh, I bought the mold, and I bought the injection molding machine, and 
I did a lot of experimenting with different types of plastic to find what was the best. And I finally found what is the best, this synthetic rubber that I'm using, a special proprietary blend. And uh, it seems to be working pretty good. It don't fall out anymore. And the lanyard keeps it nice and uh, safe right there on the pigtail. It's ready to use anytime you want it. But I use mine every single night, whether I have flickering lights or not, just to keep them from flickering in the first place. Yeah, right. It seems like it would it would it would stop that uh, degradation of the pigtail, which is what's causing that to happen, anyways. The the vibrations, right? right? So yeah. it prevents that that from happening. It's not a fix afterwards. It's a preventative type of thing as well. Tell us about the uh, the the deal that you have now with uh, with Aurora. Yeah, Thomas Trucks, right? Oh, Thomas, Thomas Trucks. Trucks. How's Aurora yeah. going to put these in, Robert? Yeah. Well, and uh, obviously they're not. <laughs> but uh, they they uh, they called me up one day and uh, they were looking for. Uh, a, a bulk order and but they wanted them shipped to three different locations and uh so they wanted to make sure that i got that right and uh but they said that uh, the engineers said that uh they came across my product and they told the purchasing agent to to call this person because we want these for our trucks because that's one less thing that a driver is going to have to fool with because you plug this in and the lights are working when you leave they'll be working all night yeah, there yeah, you go. Make, makes, makes sense. Makes total sense. Well, you're also a driver trainer, right? So you interact with drivers all the time. What kind of advice would you give to drivers who are in training programs right now, who have just started, who are thinking of getting behind the wheel? Well, if you know it's what you want to do, then uh, you just got to tough it out. Uh, they're going to be up days, down days. Uh, well, I drive at night every night because I come home every day now because I'm in the LTL industry, but uh, you got to get used to working at night for, if you're going to drive a truck. That's probably one of the hardest things. Even over-the-road drivers, every now and then, you're going to you know, think you're going to go get that load at 8 o'clock in the morning, but then you sit there till 5 or 6 in the afternoon, and now you got to run all night to make your delivery. And I don't even know if the new logbook regulations will even allow you to do that. But that would be my advice to, to new drivers is, one, you're not driving a car. And two is you just got to get used to everything that goes in it. Yeah. So did you ever do uh, over the road truckload? Yeah, I drove over the road for 12 years. Okay. So which, which is, which, which you like better LTL or truckload? Well, I did over the road for 12 years with four different companies, and I've been with Dayton Freight now for 16 years. <laughs> All right. There you I go. Think, there, that, there's uh, your answer. That's <laughs> well, before we let you go, Robert, uh, we'll let you plug your thing. But, um, but our stupid question of the day is, what tourist attraction would you least like to get stuck on? Where is it? Oh, that's an easy one. Any cruise ship. There's a reason I joined the Army and not the Navy. <laughs> yeah. There For me, go. it's the Sombrero Observation Tower at south of the border. Is that For what it sure. is? Yeah, it's got to be that. <laughs> Robert, where do people go to get these uh, these pigtails you made? It's ProDriverProject.com forward slash pigtail wedge. And if they use the promo code what the truck, they'll get 10% off. Oh, nice. All right, use Love that it. promo code what the truck. You'll get 10% off, and you'll save yourself even more money by not having to replace those pigtails all the time. So That's get right. on it. That's even right. a robot can use it, a robot truck. Take it easy, sir. I appreciate it. your time today. I love it. Thank I love you. it. I love appreciate it. it, guys. Good stuff. Yeah, there you yeah. go, man. Uh, turning a need into a business. Yeah. He I, saw, he invented. I would go with Lorianne. I, I wouldn't want to be upside down on a roller coaster. That would suck. That, yeah, I didn't even think started. about it. I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking to myself, you know, I was in Seattle, and by Pike's Market, there's a place called The Wall where everybody goes, and it's, it's a gum wall, yeah. actually. People put their used gum on there, and I was thinking, well, I'd hate to be stuck on that. that I've was, been to the one in Berlin. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. With uh, my Catholic school when I was 15. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We went on, like, a European tour. It was pretty fun. There you go. It was pretty fun. All right, let's get to a little big deal, little deal. By the way, I'm going to Disney. We're, I'm going to Disney World in uh, really? the week of March 7th. Oh, no. I don't want the trucks that week, because I'll, I'll be at Disney. 
I'll go. take some footage and stuff. There'll be like social media stuff happening. <laughs> but like I, I was thinking about the tourist attraction thing because I was kind of thinking about like the worst things you could get stuck on wow. at Disney. At Disney World. What do you think the worst thing to get stuck on at Disney would be? Maybe like the Little Mermaid ride. Is it that bad? I haven't, I haven't really been on that one. Well, I, I would think, you know, one time around, uh, it's a small word, it's good. Uh, yeah. uh, but you, that was, that's the kind of song that can get stuck in your brain and you, you just go crazy after 50 years of singing it over and over and over and over. And over. I, I would think you would. I think if you got stuck on yeah. there and couldn't get away, that'd be bad. Hey, let's take a look at a video. So we talk about all of these issues going on at sea and congestion, mm-hmm. but there's real people aboard all of these vessels. 90% of everything you own comes via sea. Many of these seafarers are spending nine months or longer out at sea dealing with tough conditions communication very limited especially out there when you're out on the boat it's not like you've got a ton of you've got wi-fi or internet signal you've got to be closer to ports to get those kind of things a lot of times you're just completely incommunicado um the world over here this is by joe the sailor on tiktok he's the one who put this he turns out to be joseph Furness. he's a chief officer at Maersk. he's a sailor over there, and he said he put this video up and he was overwhelmed by the number of comments from people. He had over 9,000 comments on TikTok. Mm. People saying things like, thank you, sellers, without you, there's no coffee or our breakfast table and no car in our garage. Respect and all the best to you and your families. That's from Dirk, a former sailor. Mm-hmm. Best servants are never seen. That's what makes them so special. Jeffrey Zweigart says, if not for the... F- if not for the faint and those that need their mom's hug every morning, aside from that, it's great job provide. It's not for the faint. Uh, aside from that, it's a great job providing you work for a good company. He's enjoyed it immensely when sailing on old ships, but then he eventually had to leave because it is that tough life. Alex Barber said, "Thank you so much for highlighting this. Like you said, there are so many people out there that are not aware of the sacrifices, dedication, hard work behind the scenes that these people make happen." Uh, Jason Noling, he's an owner operator, says, "My brother-in-law is a Filipino seaman." who spends nine months away from home without a day off and not being able to see his family, thanks to all of you who do his part. Interesting thing on the demographics here, 1.5 million seafarers in the world. Only 2% female. And Filipinos, they make up a third of all crew. So his his brother-in-law being a Filipino seaman, actually not that unordinary. Your average crewman is actually a male Filipino. But big deal, little deal, just shining a light on seafarers. Yeah, I mean, obviously a big deal. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's just it's one of those things that's come to light. Thank goodness. And hopefully we just we don't we don't forget about these type of things. Right. We like to say we'll never forget. We shouldn't forget about this because it's in the light right now. So people are in. The, and I'm glad they're getting people to say thank you. And maybe somebody would be nice to them today. That wouldn't have been. And that'd be good. Would you do it? Would you take a uh, no. just for the experience? You wouldn't take a trip from. Uh, I have Charleston over to. Not that far. I have from I have from the Caribbean. In, yeah. To the United States. Yeah. You didn't a like former it. Job. I mean, it was fine. I wouldn't do it all the time. It wouldn't be my way of traveling. You can't book those vessels, though. Yeah. You can't book, like, a, well, yeah, a room on It wouldn't be your normal way of traveling, right? I wouldn't, but I wouldn't. But people do that. They will buy those as a tourist thing to do those. It's sure. Anyways, the People's Convoy, my friend, have published their route, and they say they're ready to roll on Wednesday the 23rd, which, by my count, is two days from now. Yeah, that's Wednesday. The, yeah. yeah. The group's press release reads, and we should read this because we want people yeah. to know exactly what's going on here. American truckers are launching the People's Convoy, a peaceful and unified trans- transcontinental movement, on Wednesday, February 23rd. 2022 from the Adelanto Stadium in Southern California starting at 10 a.m. Hundreds of truckers will be 
Uh, we'll, we'll hear words of encouragement and blessings from the group of speakers, including FLCCC President Dr. Pierre Corey and Godspeak Church Pastor Rob McCoy. McCoy, sorry. The truckers and blue-collar workers of the United States will be joined by freedom-loving supporters from all walks of life, frontline doctors, lawyers, first responders, former military servicemen, women, students, uh, as they journey to the East Coast. The truckers encourage one and all to come out to the stadium to the heart of Atlanta, California, to wish them well and see them off and join their journey. Okay. Um, want everybody to know what their mission is. Let's not hijack this. Yeah, well, so, yeah. It's interesting because they, and here's the route that they plan on, on going yeah, through here. Yeah, this is a lot that. different than how this thing initially started. So if you remember yeah. the People's Convoy, it was originally called the Convoy to D.C. Right. Their group got banned on Facebook. They renamed the thing. And I'm not entirely sure what that has meant for leadership and principles. Some people who were involved in this have since gone dark. Some of my contacts have been involved have since gone dark. Although I do know a few drivers who are already in bar style for this. Now, usually I gauge this by the different drivers I talk to. Some are yeah. like, yeah, there's no way we're yeah, going yeah, yeah. to do any of this. This one I'm a little iffy on. I don't really? I don't think it's going to be like Canada. Um, I don't think, you know, down here in the U.S. where our mandates are not nearly as, as strong as what's going on in Canada, I yeah. think the attention still might be, be put over there. I think you might have some drivers and, and people get involved, but I don't, I don't, you don't know. You don't think it's going to have the same following? Do you think it is? I'm just not it, hearing it doesn't the buzz seem, around what, it. No, I'm not, I'm not hearing the buzz around it either. Like, if you remember, this was originally supposed to start in Indio. They were going to have a festival in Indio for two days. They were all going to drive down together, and it's morphed and changed quite a bit since then. It has. Including, when you looked at that route, they've added a bunch Seattle, of stops. Seattle, or Portland, so or something they're starting from, too, right? Yeah, they've made it so you don't just have to come to Barstow, but the, the fine print on their website, peoplesconvoy.org, also says that they're, they're driving to D.C., but they're not actually going to go roll into D.C. proper. That might be good in light of what we just saw in, in Canada. But scary times indeed. I mean, when you look at what happened in Canada over the weekend where they sent the cops in there and people sending $50 donations to these things. I mean, there's a lot more to consider. You don't have to, like, even go and join this particular convoy, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And be yeah. there, cause any, or cause any trouble. Not saying that they're causing trouble. But you could just donate to this thing and you could find yourself in trouble. It's becoming um, a, a murky world. So just be careful. Yeah, on, on you can you make do. your thoughts be known. You're allowed to write Congress and do all that other kind of stuff, right? It, it, we make still. your thoughts and, and your stuff be done. At least but in the U.S. still. In, still in the Maybe U.S. at least Canada. you can. Canada, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of kindling there for some sparks that are flying around that hopefully won't But you know what? Lit. I mean, it can seep down here. So it, you know, it certainly it can. can. Seep down here. It can be very catchy. It's a tough situation. Look, it I, definitely I, is. It's a complicated one, too. And, and you watch it, and there's, there's wrong on all sides, and there's hypocrisy sure there is. On, on all sides. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, over 1,000 dead rodents found at Family Dollar Distribution Center. Forty two new what, what did I just read? Over and a thousand birds. there's a thousand dead rodents. Over a thousand dead rodents found at Family Dollar Distribution Center. According to News Three, FDA inspectors said they made that discovery at the store's West Memphis distribution center because of that more than four hundred family dollar stores are temporarily closed. How many are there? One former employee he shared a video with W R-E-G of someone offering food to a rat. And one of the customers there, Lori Forey, she says, I'm, she doesn't even care. She says, I'm a cowgirl. Let me come into my horse and wrangle them all up because a rat ain't gone hurt nobody. We got to do something about it. Big what is she a little shoestring, uh, like throwing around the rat's neck on her horse? I, 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 you know, it's a big deal all the way around. It's a big deal that there's rats in in, in here, and this is gone because obviously someone's been looking the other way for a long time, just letting crap happen. Because yeah. this didn't happen over the weekend. It wasn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They said over a thousand, in, in varying states of decay. 
and, and birds, birds. And birds and rats, and they're yes. not all dead. There's some that were alive. And There's they said, a bunch still running around. They said from row one to 61 or 51, every row's, you, every row's filled with rats. Yes, <laughs> I, and that is a big deal, and that's not cool. Every, they're uh, doing a voluntary recall, too, right, of all, of all these God. different products. So that they're drugs, medical yeah. devices, cosmetics, dietary supplements, human get and the... animal pet products, medical devices, are masks, like that, what they consider masks, all this stuff they think... Rats have been running all over it. Eat well at the Family Dollar. It is. And you like Thai food? Yeah, I love Thai food. I lo- there's a place we got to go check out and okay. investigate. It's called The Secret of Siam, a Thai restaurant Ooh. in northwest Las Vegas. Apparently, people have been going there for a long time, and this couple was there. Um, apparently, she thinks she got high. She got <laughs> They're high? putting THC the in the food is what she thinks. She's, well, she said it was Samantha <laughs> Diaz. She said, yeah. uh, this food is usually really tasty, and we've never had a problem before. Yeah. But this was a problem. She felt like she was melting into her chair. Got, she got disoriented. She got heavy. She said, I thought, what is happening here? That's how I felt when I was watching that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. And I wasn't high, or maybe I just ate some bad Thai food. But I was, I was watching. Is this a big deal, little deal? I think we need to do an investigation. Yeah, that's we absolutely got to go figure at this Timothy one Dune out. At Timothy Dooner on Twitter, that's D-O-O-N-E-R, at Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Download the Freight Waves TV app and tell them how to be. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere.